The content of this episode should not be confused with treatment advice or direction given from a mental health professional. Nothing contained in this podcast was made or intended to supplement or supersede relations with mental health providers or treatment. While Jeremy Levitt is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a mental health provider in this podcast. The same is considered for any professional that may appear on the show. Their views are solely their own and do not reflect any company or profession they may represent. Welcome to Mind the Gap, where teens have a voice and parents learn to listen to that voice. Here we will talk with teens about their everyday challenges and accomplishments and learn what they are facing daily and what their needs are. As parents, we will learn valuable skills from a licensed marriage and family therapist on how to be aware of the gap in communication and close that gap. Welcome to Mind the Gap. All right, Austin. So I am interested in like one particular topic that I've been waiting to ask you about for a while now because we have this discussion off the air and I was just, you know, this is something I deal with a lot in my office. And so I was kind of wondering how you would answer this question. And I asked you the question, who are you? If you had to answer that question in an I am format, and I remember what you told me, you told me things like I am a volleyball player. I am, I can't remember what else she said, but that was the main one. Yeah. Um, so who are you, Austin? I'm really interested. Who am I? I mean, I guess we could call your girlfriend and let her answer. <laughs> and then she'd say, oh, he's cute and <laughs> he's so handsome. Well, um, I think I'm really caring. Good. Like if you're like, who am I? I yeah. think I'm really caring other people yeah for my family mm-hmm. people that i that are close to me i care for them a lot yeah i think um i think i'm funny that's a good one i think i'm what's your best joke my best, i don't have a joke like that off my top of my head what you always have to have a joke in your back pocket i don't though and i'm not that type of guy where do you find a dog with no arms and no legs i don't know right where you left him <laughs> I don't like that one at all. <laughs> what do you call a dog with no arms and no legs? What do you call him? Or where is he going to be? Or, what do you call him? It doesn't matter. He's not coming anyway. <laughs> wow. I don't like that one either. So you answered this question, your worth. of You initially started as like, oh, I'm a volleyball player. And, and now you're answering it as I am caring. I am funny. Um why? Do you remember what the I, I am nots were that I gave you? Do you remember what they were? I do not remember. So a lot of us define ourselves by these really inadequate, inaccurate um, definitions. Um, and I guess the way to think about it is if you don't have 100% control over this trait, it is not a good way to define yourself. It's a cruddy way to value yourself. So like volleyball player. You might have a lot of control over that, Austin. But what happens if you break your legs tomorrow? I lose all that control. Right. Like you're not a volleyball player anymore, right? Like you can't do it. Um, I might, you know, really think that I'm hot stuff because I got a fast car. Well, I could lose that car tomorrow. Or I could lose my job and that car gets repossessed, right? Like cruddy ways to value ourselves. So things that we have 100% control over. And there's five I am not. So I'm going to refresh your memory. You are not your weaknesses, you are not your accomplishments, you are not your body, you are not your brain, and you're not your roles. 
I got this from a, a friend of mine who's a therapist, and it's stuck with me ever since that I was defining myself by those five things all the time. And so what do you think that does to your self-worth if that's how you're defining yourself? By your weaknesses, your accomplishments, your body, your brain, and your roles. I don't think you give yourself credit for like what you actually are. Yeah. And, and your worth tends to fluctuate all over the place. Right. I, you know, I've only been on this earth for 37, almost 38 years, but for a good 35 of them, that's how I define myself. And you know, what's really cool is since I have learned to not do that anymore, and it's still a struggle, right? It's something I'm still learning to do. But since I've done that and I've learned to define myself by who I really am, I'm a much more secure person. I don't take things personally anymore. I don't care what other people think. I could give no craps about that, right? Like, I just don't. And you know what that allows me to do? It allows me to be authentic. And if you think about the people in your life that you like the most, that you like to be around the most, those are the ones that are authentic. They're the ones that you don't have to guess what their intentions are. You don't have to guess who they really are because they're just always real. Like, I'm the guy that, you know what, I like a good swear word every once in a while. And it's going to happen in church the same as it's going to happen at at school or at home or at Walmart, right? Like if it's going to happen, it's going to happen, right? So not that that's a great example because, you know, swearing <laughs> is not always a good thing. I just, it's just something I do occasionally. And so it's not, I'm, I, it, when I know my worth, I'm allowed to be authentic. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. How do you feel about that, Sherry? I think that's. It's a great way to um, look at life, yeah. especially as an adult. It's hard yeah. because you, like you said, you, we've defined ourselves for so many years in a certain way. Um, but learning to find out who you really are deep down inside will help free you from so many feelings and so many emotions that plague us, I think. Right. And in being a parent, helping my children to understand who they are and not being defined by what they are is going to help them be emotionally stable later in life. I mean, I was just having a conversation with a former dancer. Mm-hmm. And so literally just a couple of days ago, and it was really interesting because she was saying her whole life she danced and she defined herself as a dancer. And she did about 11 years of professional dancing. And then when she was done, she had no idea who she was mm-hmm. because she had defined her whole life and her whole self as a dancer. Right. And she was lost. She went into depression. She didn't know what to do with herself. And so, yeah, if she had other ways of thinking about herself, she may have been more successful in finding work and finding out who she was, not having to go through such a depression and defining herself as a dancer. Yeah, I love that's a great example. Now, Austin doesn't know this yet, but I think he's going to be a great therapist. So I'm going to train him to be a therapist. And he doesn't know he's going to be a therapist yet, but he's going to be one. So taking that example, the dancer, right? Okay. I want you to put your best therapist thinking cap on. Okay. What would have been a better way for her to define herself? And all you know about her is she's a professional dancer for 11 years. That's all I, that's all I know about that's her. That's all you know about her. Well, she could define herself as a hard worker. Yeah. Like thinking about the traits that allowed her to do that, right? The, the She was determined. She was a hard worker. She was perseverant. She paid attention to detail. She was, I mean, there's all these traits that allowed her to do that, right? 
just like there's a tons of traits, tons of traits that allow you to be a great volleyball player. Right. But you're not a volleyball player cause that's a role. Yeah. Right. So I love, I love helping teens learn this. So when you look at your peer group, when I say peer group, I mean all of this, all the senior class. Okay. okay. How do they, what do they use to define themselves? Well, majority of it is like, what sports do I play? What clubs do I attend? Yeah. And like, here's an example of that is, um, I was in a meeting for something. I can't remember what the reason was, but like we went around, like introduce yourself, yeah. and like, and like who give us a little something about you. And everybody's like, I'm a baseball player. I play volleyball. And then the next person that didn't play sports, he's like, I sit on the couch and watch TV. And the next person I'm a basketball player. And I noticed that when it got yeah. to me, I kind of just followed the trend. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I play volleyball and basketball. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a big one. I see all the time, like what they do. Right. What about, you know, what, who do they present or what do they present out to the world is who they are. Like not what they say now, but what do they do or what do they, I'm being really vague here. So let me give you an example. The labels they wear, the hydro flasks they carry around, the shoes they wear, the cars they drive. Like, do you see that a lot as people like trying to promote who they are and what their worth is? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Definitely. Like, um, people that'll buy a certain brand of clothing or a certain thing, like a hydro flask. It's like a funny little example just to kind of fit in with the whole crowd and be like, yeah, look, look at me or people that, um, drive these super nice cars and then kind of like whip around and I'm like showing them off. Yeah. Like this is who I am. Yeah. Which when I see that, I see a really insecure person. Um, it all kind of makes me sad. Right. That like they feel like they have to do that. Um, I well, see that a lot. We're developing Austin's self-worth because we gave him a really old car to drive that he can't show off in. Yeah. My yes. Jetta. <laughs> so you want to know what my first car was? What? A 1983 Cutlass Supreme. An old gangster car. It was amazing. <laughs> I bought it and it had a system in it already. And I got pulled over a few times because I think they were... Uh, um, what's the word where they pull you over profiling? Yeah. I think they were profiling me and then they saw who I was and it's like, Oh, like for real, that was my LOL. first car. Yeah. Keep going. Right? yeah. <laughs> my bad. Sorry. Um, which sucks. Profiling is not funny, but because I got profiled, right? Like I know yeah. what that feels like, but so I see kids doing that all the time. And I think that's, you know, I don't think we're going to escape that. Like, I don't think we're ever going to eliminate that. I think that's part of growing up, right? Trying to figure out our identity and we got to have to eventually learn that that's not our identity. But then we, you know, we grow up and we have these TV shows like Housewives of Beverly Hills and the Kardashians. It's still promoting that idea that worth is tied to what you do or how you act or what you have. And it's just, it's so destructive. It's so destructive because it creates this culture where we're just always comparing ourselves to somebody else. Right. Even within families, like I'm sure my brothers have compared themselves to me. I've compared myself to my brothers. Like it's just one of those things, man, we're all unique. We're all different. And our worth is not ever changed. Not one inch. Well, it was, um, a few years ago, Austin was taking guitar lessons Mm -hmm. and, um, it was Ted Sable from the killers. Right. And it was really cool because he was able to sit with Austin and be a really good role model to Austin 
we would talk to him often about different topics. And I remember him sitting and telling Austin one time, man, just get out of high school without doing something stupid. Yeah. It, it doesn't define who you are. You know, get out of high school because those few years that you're there are just so small in comparison to the rest of your life. You know, they're not going to define who you are. It's getting, it's getting through it and having fun. But I remember him saying that, like, don't do some, just try to get through high school without doing something stupid, you know? Because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You're at this cool phase, Austin. I love seeing kids at this age because you're in it, right? You're in the mix of it. You're a senior and you're starting to see the end, right? Yeah, it's not coming quick enough. In high school. It's coming too quick. High school when... To most kids in high school, that's like the life and everything is so important. And I have to go to this dance and I have to do this and I have to do that. And if I don't do this, I'm going to have, uh, I'm going to miss out and all this stuff. And what they don't get is I don't know one person other than uncle Rico from Napoleon dynamite that looks back and was like, those were the greatest years of my life. Those were my best friends. Nine point, I think it's like nine point seven of the percent. Nine point seven out of ten. So ninety-seven percent of the people you know in high school, you will not have a relationship with within three years of being out of high school. Like these people don't matter. The time doesn't matter, and it's just I don't know. I wish I would know. Well, I think I kind of didn't know that in high school because I just didn't give a damn to be completely honest. I've kind of learned. I've kind of grown to that too. Like in freshman year, I probably cared a lot. Like now that I'm in my senior year, I kind of just like, it doesn't matter like what I wear, yeah, what I say. Yep. You're comfortable. Yeah. Right. And I'm still sure you still have friends that care though, which is hard. Oh yeah, I do. To watch sometimes. Care a little too much. So talk to me about what, what do you see, um, with your friends and the, and the people, you know, closely, like, where do you see them struggling most with their worth? Where does their self-worth struggle the most? Where it struggles the most, yeah. it's probably some of them that probably don't feel like they're good enough. With what? Um, just like at a sport they play, or like a relationship issue with a yeah. girl, or if they like they like a girl and the girl doesn't like them back, and it's like the end of the world. Yeah. And why? Why? Let's talk about the sport. One's a great example. If they like playing a sport and they're good and they're good at it, but they're not as good as they want to be. Why is that so devastating to them? Because they probably look at themselves as like, I'm a lacrosse player or I'm a this player. It's where and all it, their worth is. Exactly. Yeah. If that's where all their worth is and they're not amazing at it, they're not the best at it, then they could just their self-worth just goes down the toilet. Yeah. And how ridiculous is that? Right? It's just silly. I don't get it. I do get it. But I just, it's hard. So I have a question as I'm um, listening to yeah. this. As a parent... How do we teach our children to find self-worth, you know, so that when they do become a teenager, they're not defining themselves by their roles because that's such a huge thing in high school, you know? So how do I start as a parent teaching my children and mm-hmm. Austin, even at this point to find self-worth? So a lot of it's going to be modeling, right? Like modeling is where we teach our kids the most without even recognizing it or knowing it. Like, how do we act? Are we always chasing the next shiny thing? Are we, you know, we got to be careful with what we say, you know, 
my my nine year old, I've caught him. Me and my wife have caught him talking about his weight, and this kid's as skinny as can be. But I know he's heard me say I'm fat, right? <laughs> yeah. I like I, I modeled that for him, and now he's worried about it, right? So are they? Uh, are you? Are we as parents chasing the next shiny thing? Are you know they kids are a lot smarter than we realize, right? Um, they see how we interact with our friends. They see and they hear things that we don't think they hear. Um, so a lot of it's just going to be modeling for them. And then also helping them understand the value of work, the value of, of things. Like, like things aren't important, but they have value, right? And so if, you know, it's not a big deal or there's no consequences if your son or daughter breaks something. You're not teaching them, right, to value time, work, energy, all those things tied to it. And so when they get later in life, it's going to be much easier for them to sink into that. Oh, I want this. I want that. Because they don't think that it's something you get. You don't have to earn, right? And I, I find these the kids that struggle the most with their identity, in my opinion, are the entitled ones because they haven't learned, you know, when I have a nice car, it's because I put in work, not just be, you know, and so my worth is in my work effort, not my car. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So I think a lot of it is going to be the modeling, right? And then, you know, just teaching those lessons when you have the opportunity, you know, inevitably that you're going to have a kid that says, I want this video game or right. Uh, my friend has this video game or, um, you know, my son's just getting into volleyball. He's in eighth grade and he's very first season. He just started playing and, uh, I've, I've seen him see the kids that are better and kind of like his shoulders drop. And I can tell his, you know, his esteem has dropped a little bit and he's feeling a little bit bad about himself, but that's where I have that build up conversation. Hey, you know what? You're new at this. You're still doing good. Like that serve was awesome. Like I'm not BSing him. Right? I'm just helping them understand what's important. So looking for every opportunity is another thing too, to, to just kind of talk to them about it, right? Talk to them about what's important. Well, and I think that's really important because as parents, we do hold a lot of weight in how our children feel about themselves yep. and the things that we say. Yep. And um, I wish I had the quote in front of me, but I recently read a book by Jeffrey Holland. Mm-hmm. And in there, in one of the chapters, he talked about the way we talk to our children mm-hmm. and how that affects how they feel about themselves. And yeah. it's something that I know I need to work on as a parent. And, and I don't try and compare my children, but you know, all of our children are involved in different sports and activities. And I have two daughters that dance and I'm trying to not let them define themselves by being successful as dancers, but being hardworking and you want to put in the time if you want to be successful. And it's about how, how to accomplish that goal of being a successful dancer. Um, for example, my daughter wants to do private lessons Mm -hmm. and it's always easy for her to just, um, use my money to pay for her private lessons. Absolutely. And she, she takes advantage of it, you know, cause she just gets a lesson and mom pays for it. But recently I've told her you can earn your own money and pay for your own lessons. Mm -hmm. And so she started babysitting. Awesome. She's earned a ton of money. And she, the other day went to pay for her lesson and I saw her That's awesome. feel so much value in the fact that she just paid for a half an hour of a private dance lesson with her very own money. And I saw the way that she reacted in the class, knowing 
that she was paying for her own dance lesson. She probably worked a lot harder knowing that Good I'm job, not paying mom. for this. Yeah, she did. Good she job. worked. And it was really hard for me, honestly, to see my little 11-year-old taking her money and mm-hmm. pay for it. You know, going back to this whole, I mean, I enable them sometimes because yeah. I yeah. want to pay for it and I want to be there yeah. to provide for them. But it was more rewarding for me to see her pay for it for herself. Mm-hmm. And I think she learned more about herself yeah. in working hard because she was actually paying for her own dance lesson. Yeah. And she works hard to earn those dollars by babysitting. And so I think she's you starting taught, to find some more self-worth. You taught, just a being a dance lo- you taught her a lot about self-worth with that single lesson. And it and like some parents would just see that as a lesson of the value of a dollar, but you like, that is so much more than that. Right. She got, she felt the pride in it. Right. She saw her ability to do it. Right. That's if we don't give kids opportunities to like figure that out, like they'll never accomplish anything. Right. They're going to sit on the couch the rest of their lives. Like she, you created a a culture with her that um, she's going to work for what she wants now. That's pretty awesome because she knows her worth. Right. Like that's really what it comes down to. She, she has enough worth to know that I want to work to do this because that's important to me. Like you enabled that in her. That's really cool. And I think it goes to with, um, like Austin loves to play the piano Yeah, and he's, he's pretty talented. He's worked really hard at it and he sees that he can sit and play the piano and he can play some pretty difficult songs, mm-hmm. but he's putting in the work. And I think Austin, if I'm right, you, it's, fulfilling for you to sit and play that after a lot of years of practice oh yeah or after like a song that'll take me like a month or two months because i don't practice every day for hours like right. some of these other kids but right. that are just like unreal at piano but like when i sit down and i'm practicing a song for a long time and i finally get it and i finally perform it in front of somebody without like messing up every other line it's super satisfying it's like re- rewarding you might get a kick out of this. I wanted to learn how to play the piano as an adult. So, cause I love classical music. Like that's, I love it. Classical music and alt J I'll be set for life, <laughs> but, um, and Pink Floyd. Gotta throw that in there. But, um, so I, I love Claire de Lune, right? I love Claude Debussy, right? And girl, girl to flex and hair. I, lo- I love all of his stuff. And so I show up to the teacher with uh, Claire DeLuna, like, I want to learn how to play this. I've never played piano <laughs> in my life. It's like, uh, do you know any key changes? Or in this, he goes, I know it's slow, but this is one of the hardest songs to play. It's and actually the song I was just like referring to when I was talking to you about that. Was it's Claire hard, Luna. isn't it? Yeah, you it just learned how forever. to play it, yeah. Oh, and it doesn't see, when you listen to it, you're like. It doesn't sound hard at all. No. He's like, uh, he goes, I don't even know if I can play this. I watched somebody play it and like I heard it and I listened to it. I'm like, oh, cr- crack got, this out in like two this. weeks. Yeah. It took me forever yeah. to finally get it, like this whole part. I practiced every day. I'd listen to it every day to try to get it right, get everything perfect. The timing. Oh, that song's brilliant. I'm nerding out, sorry. Brilliant song. So it's Austin then, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, final thoughts on self worth, Austin. As a parent, I think that you just need to be aware of what your child's self-worth is and not just assume that they have this amazing self-worth and they think super highly of themselves because that might not be true. 
and they be, they might be going through something because of their self worth. Yeah. If you could just figure out what's going on and then help them out through it. Okay, that's good advice. That's really good advice because a lot we're really good at fronting. Do they still use the word fronting in school? I mean, I know what it means, but we don't say that. <laughs> they're really good at putting that mask on and pretending like nothing's okay, but on the inside, they're you know yeah, that's they're not. very true. So. Be having your thumb on the pulse of, of their worth and kind of keep an eye on that. That's, that's, that's really good advice, Austin. It's a lot easier said than done, but if you develop a relationship with your son or your daughter, you're going to have a lot easier time doing that. Hopefully some of these future episodes we can talk about how to build that relationship and how to build that family culture so that you do know, right? Because I think a lot of times we just don't have that family dynamic, and so it's hard to know because they're faking us just as well as everybody else. Right, and I want to. I don't want to be able to give parents to a um, platform to not feel like they're going to be failures because they haven't started right. from the time the kids a baby. You know, right. now we're dealing with teenagers, yeah. and how it's do I how do I solve it? And how do I fix it now that they're teenagers? And how do I develop that relationship now that they're a teenager? You know. Yeah, I, I work with parents all the time where they haven't been in the life at all because of divorce or, or something of that nature. And now they have to step in and do that. And it's difficult, but it's possible. Yeah. It's totally possible. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you'd like to reach out to us, we can be found on Facebook at mindthegap-teenstalkwelisten or on Instagram at mindthegap.welisten.